Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back in on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. And joining me now is Parth Upadhyay, Memphis Tigers basketball beat writer for the Daily Memphian. He is on X at Upadhyay underscore. And uh, we're bringing him on after what, is, you know, in conference probably is the best week of basketball the Tigers have played. They get a 24-point uh, win over Charlotte earlier in the week. And then yesterday they get the four-point win over Florida Atlantic. Naquan Tomlin was phenomenal. Um, looks like he's player of the week in the American Athletic Conference. So let's bring on Parth right now. Parth, I, I'm just going to start it this way. Do the Tigers have their swagger back? Because it certainly seems that way. Man, it, it does seem that way, but they, they've got us before, right? Like right. They've, they've looked as if they've got it back. They've said the right things in the past, like, hey, you know, we're, we've turned a corner and we love each other and we're hanging out, we're kicking it. And then, you know, they go to Dallas, for example, and, and drop two. So, you know, they've tricked us before, but it, it seems real this time. Because they're not just winning games, they're winning games convincingly. I mean, obviously, four-point win yesterday against FAU, but, you know, it's a good FAU team. And Charlotte before that, they just thumped. So, uh, you know, it looks like it's that time of year again where Penny gets his teams going. Yes, and uh, listen, we'll talk about rotations and everything else, but when when we talk about, like, adjustments Penny Hardaway has made, I think it's pretty – it's pretty – it's showing itself. Like, I I think they've played half-court – uh, defense for the most part. They tried to extend the defense a yep. little bit yesterday against Florida Atlantic to uh, show them a different look, but they've been playing half-court defense. On the offensive end, they look a little bit more connected. They're turning the ball over less because Penny said after that Charlotte game that they put in a bunch of different offensive sets and he scripted. It feels like there's been some pretty meaningful mindset switches um, from Penny Hardaway, and, and it seems like they're going against his normal intuition. His normal intuition is to extend the defense, press a lot, yep. and then on the offensive end, be free-flowing. And he has sort of uh, nipped that in the bud and, and, and changed that around for this team. Yeah, no doubt. After the Charlotte game, it just seemed like, I mean, you kind of paraphrased it there that, you know, he just said, hey, I ran some plays. You know, right. it, makes you, yeah. it makes you think, man, well, damn, why didn't you run them before, you know? <laughs> right. I actually asked him that as availability um, Friday ahead of the FAU game yesterday, and he said that, you know, he, he had tried to implement some stuff early in the year, but, you know, kind of same thing he had said in the past, right? Like with the three-game suspension and kind of the other turbulence in the season, it just didn't didn't stick and, and guys weren't picking it up, weren't following it to a T. Um, so he reverted back to his kind of freestyle, um, free-flowing NBA offense, which just, you know, wasn't good for this team. It was not good to give this team that much freedom, you know, as we saw in some of those losses. But, man, you're right. Against Charlotte, um, the change to go big, it, it didn't look great. And I think you and I texted about it, like, you know, what's going on? Why is, right. Why are they running out three bigs? But, man, 
Naquan Tomlin's versatile enough to play that wing position, and you know, just that length um, and that size was was disruptive, and it worked. Yep. Now, I want to ask you about this because Penny Hardaway seems very positive. He seems very glass half full about NCAA tournament hopes. But he says if they went out, um, if they sort of keep doing what they did this past week um, and putting it on teams, obviously they're going to have to deal with ECU and also UAB coming up here soon. Um, But he says if they do that, they may get the committee to sort of turn around their thought process and say, well, Memphis is back. When it comes to that that conversation – I, I I think uh, – I'll say this. I think he's wrong in the fact that if they just were to win out, they're not going to get an at-large at bid to the NCAA tournament. But when it comes to what's still left out there for them to capitalize on, how right do you think he is? Do you think there's something to that? In, in terms of winning the rest of the regular season? Yeah, and, winning and the rest of the regular large, season, maybe winning a couple of games in the tournament. Like, Do you think they could re-enter that conversation even if they don't win the AAC tournament? Yeah, I think a lot of things would have to go right. I mean, obviously, you got to start by winning these next three. Like, there's no doubt about it. If you lose any of these, we're not even having that conversation. Um, but you've got to win these next three, then you've got to get to, I think, the the title game. Anything short of that, and I, you know, I just don't see them getting in with an at-large. But, you know, you get to the title game, and you play a really, really, really competitive game against FAU, maybe for a third time, or SMU, or whoever. Um, and I could see it. I mean, Memphis, like... Their, their resume still isn't horrible. Like, right. as bad as the computer numbers look and as bad as some of these losses have been, like, they're still, last time I checked, the game above 500 mm-hmm. in quadrants one and two. I mean, you just compare that, right? Like, you take that and compare it with teams that Lenardi's listed on the bubble or Jerry Palm is listed on the bubble, and it's, it's comparable, if not better, you know, when it comes to quality wins. But, man, like, the damage they've done right. uh, to the metrics and the damage they've done in terms of taking – you know, I think they have one quad three and one quad four loss. Like, those are stains that are heavy, you know, yes. heavy to overlook by the committee. And it is definitely frustrating for a lot of fans out there thinking like, oh, if they would have just picked this up a week earlier, made these changes a week earlier, exactly. started playing with a little more intensity a week earlier, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't have to worry about it, theoretically. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean... Everything they've implemented, whether it be, you know, on the court stuff that we talked about, the defensive changes, the lineup changes, um, or the off the court stuff, you know, whatever they've done to kind of get yeah. closer and change their mentality. And we'll talk, we'll talk more about the off the court stuff here in a little bit. I wanted to start yeah, with a little bit of positivity, Parth. I had to start with yeah. a little bit of positivity. No, no. I'm sorry. I meant like chemistry cohesion. Like, man, right. Jaquan Wallen's over here you know, doing TikTok dances on Instagram, like, <laughs> right. before games, like, you know, Javon Clinterly smiling, like, these guys are having fun playing basketball again. We just hadn't seen that in weeks, even when they, you know, quote-unquote, turned things around and, you know, scraped by some wins against the likes of Temple and um, Wichita State, like, it just didn't look like they were fully into it, right? Like, fully engaged, fully having fun, but, um, man, whatever Penny's done, whatever team bonding they've done has been working, and like you said, Gabe, like, Man, you just, you know, if you're a Tigers fan, you just wish they had done that like 10 days ago. Right, exactly. <laughs> it would have made a pretty big difference. Yes, and uh, we'll talk about that. I'm sort of speaking on, you know, the off-court stuff with, with Malcolm Dandridge. I will say yeah. this. It is kind of funny. I saw somebody put a tweet out there. It feels like um, the Tigers need some drama to be able to rally behind before they start playing their best basketball. We'll, like get, we'll get to that in a second. So uh, as far as, like, the AAC is concerned, we've been talking about four games in four days. Tigers have put themselves in a position where, yeah, it's not in their hands, right? Like, they have to get help elsewhere. 
But realistically, exactly. realistically, getting into that top four, getting that bye to only have to do with three games in three days or get to the championship in two games, um, looks like you need Tulane over North Texas. You need Wichita State over UAB. Of course, Memphis has to keep winning. Um, then you'll need Tulane over FAU, UTSA over SMU, USF over Charlotte, ECU over North Texas. I mean, there, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of help they'll need. But what what do you think their chances are to get sort of a top four seed in the tournament with, with where they stand right this second with three games left? Yeah, yeah. it's tough to say because it's not like you just said it's not entirely in their hands, right? Like they could win these next three games and uh, other stuff not break in their favor, and you know there they are having to win four in four days. But man, after yesterday's game, I was in the media room at FedEx Forum, just like kind of trying to write this stuff out and. You know, you just named uh, most, if not all of them, but there was like a laundry list of stuff that has to go right um, for Memphis to be in that top four um, seed range, you know, come Fort Worth, come AAC tournament time. So it's not, you know, it's not a crazy long shot, but it's also not something that I would deem to be probable, if that makes sense. Yeah, now, Naquan Tomlin hollered at me about his his – um, sort of performances the last couple of games. Um, it's not just the impact in terms of like, okay, he scored 21 points, had eight rebounds. You know, you mentioned the blocks, the steals, but it's what it does to the entire team, the energy that it brings. I mean, that was DeAndre. Um, right. He would kind of, you know, propel them, propel everybody around him to, to play with a higher intensity and a higher engagement level. And I think Tomlin's done just that, uh, did it against Charlotte and, and, you know, definitely did it against uh, Florida Atlantic yesterday. Yes, and he had five offensive rebounds. Nick Jordan was six, man. They're just playing with more effort on that end. And I, I, I don't really know what it comes from. Maybe it has to do with rotations. Maybe it has to do with not having to, to get out in a full-court press and overextend your defense constantly. Um, but but what, what do you think has facilitated this for Naquan Tomlin? Because this is two games in two different roles he was playing. He was the three in that game against Charlotte. He was the full-time five, seemingly, against Florida Atlantic. Well, yeah, we asked him about it after the Charlotte game on, on Wednesday, and he said that I, I guess it was at some point during the team's stay in Dallas where they had that two-game stretch. Obviously, they lost both. It didn't go well. But um, he said Penny and him had a one-on-one conversation where, you know, Penny basically said, you know, I, I need more from you. You know, I'm going to put you in a larger role, but I need you to produce in that role. And, um, you know, he didn't answer the bell right away against North Texas or against SMU, but, you know, really nobody did right. <laughs> on the Tigers roster. Um, but you're seeing that now you're seeing, you know, Penny putting that trust in him and Tomlin delivering. Um, and I think you, you touched on it a few minutes ago, but the rotation, you know, him being out there 33 minutes without being yanked every all starters were in there for 30 plus minutes. Yeah, man. I don't know. When's the last time we saw that where, you know, guys, (sighs) I think Jordan played 30 minutes, but everybody else that was a starter played 33 or more, um, I think Jaden Hardaway looks like he played 16 off the right. bench, and then there's Joe Cooper with seven. Um, <laughs> shout out Joe Cooper. Three other guys Cooper. played, but they played, you know. Yeah, shout out Joe Cooper for real. Um, man, I can't remember the last time we've seen that, where Penny's relied on Quinterly for 38 minutes and Walton for 34 and David Jones for, you know, 35 or whatever. Um that looks good. He played. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean. Let's be honest, Barth. He played six again. guys. He played for the majority of the game. He played truly exactly. just played six people, and that has to do with Malcolm being out and, and maybe not trusting Jordan Brown in the current moment. And you have to play your best guys because your back is like thoroughly up against the wall and a really meaning like it is. You know, uh, to recapture what you what you uh, what you had at one point, you're just going to have to win and win and win and win by large margins. But he played six guys. I don't know if I've ever been in a in a um, 
I don't know if we've ever been in a situation where Penny Hardaway truly just sort of threw six guys out there and just said go. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. Against Clemson, um, if you recall, he played, I think, seven, uh, and that was surprising to me. And obviously it worked. They beat Clemson at FedEx Forum. Um, but, yeah, yesterday he really played six guys. Uh, Joe Cooper got in there for seven minutes to get Quinterly off the ball, which I thought was good, um, aside from that one turnover that he had. Right. But, um yeah, like I, I wonder if this is sustainable, you know, not only for the players, but for Penny. Like, you know, just throwing this out there. If, if Malcolm Dandridge, you know, we'll talk about this in a bit, but if yeah. he clears his name, and let's say he's back, um, not next game, but the game after, right? So he's there for UAB, there for FAU, and there for the, the postseason in Fort Worth. Like, um, does that change things? Does the availability of Jordan Brown, once his back gets healed, does that, ch- you know, like there's all these factors, right? He's liked to play Jonathan Pierre in the past. And these are, these are all, you know, guys who are able to contribute, but when you've got, you know, 10, 12 guys playing uh, sizable minutes, you just don't find that cohesion and that chemistry and that, uh, that rhythm that we saw um, these past two games and especially last game. So I, I, I just wonder. I wonder what happens when right. he has more pieces to work with again. <laughs> right. And then also there is the thought process behind, okay, if, if the early going of a game doesn't go well and you find yourself down like you were against North Texas, 18-4, to and there's been a couple of other games like that, what happens with yep. the rotation? Because that's really when the test comes for Penny Hardaway, and we have seen that he will just throw things at the wall and hope they stick in those particular situations. But let's hope they don't dig themselves a hole like that for the last three games yeah, of no the year problem. and heading into the AAC tournament. Now, holler at me about Joe Cooper, man. I, it's strange because this guy, I mean, Olive Branch, uh, walk-on, uh, he was in Juco for a little bit. Uh, obviously, he's not like uh, a, a guy that you thought would ha- ever get minutes really with this team. But the last couple of games, you've seen a, a sort of palpable, understandable difference when he's out there and engaged, man. It just seems like the care factor is a lot higher, and he seems to be bringing guys along, even though he's not a guy who's going to get a whole bunch of stats. It's just it's a strange dynamic that he has brought to the team, and it's been very positive, it feels. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, we've heard fans all season, or not all season, but kind of when this team hit a slump, talk about, man, this team needs some Memphis guys. This team needs Alex Lomax or, you know, somebody like that, somebody who reps the M, you know, like with their heart and soul. I think Joe Cooper is that guy, uh, Mm. undoubtedly. Uh, when he checked into the SMU game with 10 minutes left, like, you know, you're like, all right, they're, they're getting ran out the gym. It makes sense for Penny to throw, you know, a, a walk on out there, get him some burn, get him some reps, whatever. Um, but then against Charlotte, like in a critical moment, there's Joe Cooper against freaking FAU, you know, against your, you know, your biggest conference game of the season. Um, Penny, you know, entrusted Joe to play what seven, eight minutes, whatever he did. Um, I don't think it's just that. I think it's his voice in the locker room. Like, guys respect it. They don't look at him as a walk-on. They look at him as a, as a scholarship player and a, and, a, and a key voice, you know, of that team, which is uh, special because I think they needed someone like that, someone to step up and, you know, say, hey, guys, let's play, you know, let's play with some pride. Yeah, now talking with Parth Upadhyay, he is the Memphis Tigers basketball beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. Now, holler me about FAU. Um, what do you think about their tournament chances right now? Obviously, I think they're in, but they have to take care of business. They are they're they're, they're it's going to be a close shave for them down the stretch of the season, isn't it? Yeah, you would think so. Um, I think they've obviously you know over the past month, just in February, you know, loss against UAB, loss against South Florida. That's kind of brought them closer and closer to the bubble. Um, man, if they mess around and, you know, let's say they lose to Memphis again, 
and then then drop you know early in the conference tournament like you could see a scenario where they don't get in um but right now you're right like they're they are safely in but they're hovering around that what seven eight nine seed range um which you just, you just didn't think that would, or most people didn't think that would happen when they came in as a preseason top 10 team. Yes, and I think that just generally, the AAC is in a weird, weird spot, right? South Florida finally gets in the yeah. AP top 25. They're 21 and 5, and they're 14 and 1 in conference. We know about their out of conference, how bad it was, and they really haven't been able to make up a bunch of ground in like the meaningful predictive metrics of the Ken Palm and Bartorvik and the net. Um, but they're 90, what are they, 93rd? I believe in Ken Palm, and they finally got a yep. nod as the 25th team in the in the AP Top 25. That is that is strange. That's very strange. It is strange. I mean, I didn't vote them in my ballot. I just don't think they're a top 25 team. No shade. You know, obviously they they beat Memphis, um, came back from down 20, and that was kind of the turning point of their season. But um, you know, but I also understand why somebody would vote them in that you know in the top 25. They beat FAU right recently, like about a week ago. Um, and they knocked off SMU recently as well. So that's wins against, what, two top 50-ish teams? Yep. Uh, they're trending in the right direction, and I could, I could see why somebody would want to put them on their ballot. But when you look at this entire body of work, like they've got losses to really, really Oh, the two-and-four really start with Central Michigan, Maine, Hofstra, and UMass being losses. It's just so hard to dig yourself out of that hole, especially when you play in the American. You just can't. Exactly. Seemingly. I, I can take the UMass law. You know, whatever. Like, UMass is a decent team. You played them, you know, on the road. But Central Michigan at home, man, like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> you right. know? Maine also at home. Um, and they just haven't, like you said, they just haven't been able to make up enough ground after that. Uh, they've won games, but, you know, whether it's margin of victory or, you know, efficiency or what have you, like, they haven't won them well enough, so to speak, to improve. Uh, these computer numbers sizably. But right now, it sort of looks like they are being slotted into the tournament, but I think most people have them in as sort of the automatic qualifier, and I don't know how if that exactly. actually is going to take... I don't think that'll actually take place. I don't know if South Florida has the has the juice. Now, granted, they're only going to have to win two games against, uh, you know, uh, bottom-rung opponents, theoretically, to get through, but... For them to win three games in three days, I just don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't project that, even with how well they have played. No, I don't. I don't see it at all. Um, not that it's not possible. I just think you know it's hard for me to envision a scenario where you know where you know where they're in Fort Worth on Sunday, Selection Sunday, and you know at the end of that afternoon, it's not either Memphis, Florida Atlantic, or SMU. You know, hoisting right. the AAC title trophy. I think as far as talent goes, like those are the three clear front runners. I don't think it's all that close either. Uh, you know, some of these teams have played with more chemistry and cohesion, you know, South Florida, Charlotte, um, you can probably throw a few others in there, UAB. Yeah. But you know, when it comes to having the right pieces, I think, uh, the teams we just mentioned, Memphis, FAU and, and SMU are on a different tier. And I think we'll see that, uh, you know, as we get down the stretch here. Now, uh, holler at me about this Malcolm Dandridge situation. Looks like he's going to be out for the foreseeable Ooh. future while they investigate um, some type of academic um, issue. Um, we do, we don't, we're not privy to that full information. Uh, it's left up a lot for, for speculation. But, but what can you tell me at this particular moment about Malcolm Dandridge and, and, and you know, his, his status the rest of the year? Looks like he was on the on the bench yesterday. So that's, that's something that you can pay attention to and, um, right. You know, latch on to potentially, but what can you tell us? Yeah, man, obviously, you know, murmurs of this started, uh, early to mid last week. And, 
you know, you didn't, you didn't know, you know, how substantial they were, but you know, as the week progressed, you're hearing more and more the news breaks Friday. And then by Saturday morning, Memphis releases a statement, you know, trying to, uh, I guess they were hoping to get ahead of it. Obviously they did not because <laughs> of what, you know, because right. of stuff getting out Friday. But, um, you know, what Memphis has said is that, you know, they're looking into an issue. They kept it pretty vague. That's impacting Malcolm's eligibility and they're not going to play him until further notice because of that. Um, obviously they're not going to comment further at this time. And they stated that in their statement. Um, but I did have a source confirmed to me, um, as has been the case with different outlets in Memphis that, you know, this is an issue, um, that in some form or fashion relates to his academics. You know, it's an issue centered around academic misconduct. Um, now, you know, I guess it just depends in terms of severity or what this means for, for Memphis as a program. Like if the paper trail stops there, uh, that's still not ideal for Malco, but, but right. you know, it's not, it's not a complete disaster. You know, if, if something else was revealed in this internal investigation, then, you know, who knows what could happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would assume, and this is just me, uh, not, not reporting, but just kind of, you know, thinking in the minds of people in that basketball program, I would assume they're hoping this thing drags out, you know, at least through this season. So, you know, they don't have more guys missing because this roster is already taking hits, man. Like, right. you know, Caleb Mills, Malcolm Dandridge. Like, if you lose another guy or two, like, it's not going to be good in this time of desperation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all we know now right. as far as stuff that's been confirmed, solidified on the record. Uh, just kind of a wait-and-see thing. Penny just, did say yesterday, he didn't didn't say much. He said, I can't speak on that. That was the first thing out of his mouth. But, you know, uh, he said he doesn't know when he's getting Malcolm back, and he didn't seem at least confident in his tone or his demeanor that Malcolm's going to be back soon. But, once again, I guess we just got to wait and see. Yeah, and I, you don't have to spend too much time on this, but, like, how – what do you think this could do to Penny Hardaway? Like, I, obviously, I think more guys would have to be implicated, and we don't have any proof of that at this point. But if more guys do get implicated, what could this do to Penny Hardaway? Does this put him in a, in a very uh, peculiar, uncomfortable spot? Yeah, that's a tough question. I don't know if it puts him in a uncomfortable spot in terms of, you know, his involvement or, you know, him right. being directly tied to this, if you will. But I think it's just another hit. In terms of the image of, it's three, of, the coach three, it would be three big things in right. six years, right? That's exactly. The that, that's what I was exactly. It's the you know it's the James Wiseman thing, IARP thing. You lump that all together, then you had a smaller issue with the recruiting violation that was committed in 2021. Um, and you know you got to think those two things combined, like that was a four you know three year probation from the IARP that was handed down in September of 2022. Then they tacked on a year uh, last summer, this past summer when, um, you know, Memphis self-reported the recruiting stuff to the NCAA. So they've still got two more years of probation left. That that cycle doesn't end, if I'm not mistaken, until I think September 27th of 2026. So you've got yeah. two-plus years left. Um, you know, what does – depending on what comes of this, what does that mean, right? right. Like what is, what is the proba- does the probation make it more serious in terms of a penalty handed down? Does it – you know, how does that impact it? Um, sure. And I think that's the main question, but – um, there's no doubt in terms of perception and in terms of uh, kind of, you know, angst, if you will, from fans or whatever, uh, it doesn't help, Penny. That's yeah, for sure. For sure. No doubt about it. But Parth, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, man. Always fun. Thanks yes, sir. That's Parth Upadhyay. He is the Memphis Tigers basketball beat writer for the Daily Memphis.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.